This is Great Idea, a Babysitter's Club podcast. I'm your host, Joy. And I'm Danny. And Great Idea gets its name from the first book of Anne and Martin's iconic book series, The Babysitter's Club, called Christie's Great Idea. Also from the fact that everyone thinks their podcast is a great idea, and we hope ours actually is. We'll be diving into all things related to the series, books, characters, spinoffs, TV shows, and movies, and really anything's related we wanted to talk about. And this is our four first... Forced. <laughs> this is our forced full episode talking about one of the books. The very first book, Christie's Great Idea. With this iconic cover. Oh, we love the cover. I got really emotional when I saw the first promotional image from Netflix because they recreated the cover so perfectly. And yeah, I just got real emotional. Yeah, it's... Um... It's a beautiful cover. It's a beautiful thing. Do you want to start with your book report? Did you prepare your book report today, Danny? I did. So, you know, just in case anyone is returning to this series after a very long time, not having read them, or if this is your first introduction to the Babysitter's Club, and maybe you watched the Netflix show and decided that you wanted to find out more about the books, here's a short book report about what happens in the first book. So this series is about a group of 12-year-old girls who literally start a babysitting business in their neighborhood because girls are amazing and can do anything. We are in Stony Brook, Connecticut, a fictional small town, and we meet Christy Thomas, the loudmouth tomboy who lives with her mother and three brothers, and she has the great idea to start a babysitting club with her friends. Her friends are Marianne Spire, who lives next door and is very shy with a strict single father, and Claudia Kishi, an artistic, stylish, very cool Japanese-American girl who lives with her older, very smart sister Janine, her parents, and her grandmother Mimi. The three of them have been babysitting in their neighborhood for a long time, so they decide to get together and form a club where people can call Claudia's number and reach multiple babysitters at once to set up jobs. They also invite to the club the new girl, Stacy McGill, fresh from New York City, also a stylish fashionista, pretty boy crazy, and seems to have some secret baggage. So they start the club, each one takes on a role, Christy is president, Claudia is vice president, Marianne is a secretary, and Stacy is treasurer. They have some pretty wild babysitting adventures, and Christy is adjusting to her mom becoming engaged to the man she's been dating for a while, and the girls don't really know what's up with Stacy and why she sometimes acts a little bit fishy. So as we go through the book, we'll talk about those subplots, and yeah. Wow, A plus, 100%. (laughs) I feel like I know what happened, also because I read the book, but um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, When you said (laughs) a cheater. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that this book, well, a few things that stuck out to me um, was that I had forgotten how much the books were written in such a specific voice. Like I had Mm -hmm. forgotten that it's like Christie's voice. I had also forgotten that Christie's kind of a jerk. Yeah. Christie is, Christie lacks a lot of tact. But I also adore her for it because she just has no filter and it's the most endearing thing because she's a 12 year old girl. Right. So and it's so funny to me, the contrast between Christy and Claudia, because especially from Christy's point of view, because she's the narrator, like you said, of the first book, 
um, Claudia just seems so put together as if she would never say something that just popped into her mind. Like she always thinks before she speaks and Christy never thinks before she speaks. Yeah. I think that that's super true. Um, I also wonder about something that like, of course, Anna and Martin never talked about it, but like Christy can get away with that because she's like this white girl and I wonder about, like, Claudia being non-white in this predominantly white town and, like, what impact that has. I mean, I think there's still, like, some, like, tiger parent things with her parents that is unfortunate, but this is not an episode about Claudia, despite me trying to make every episode that. Um, But I think you're right that, like, I have to remember (laughs) that Christy is 12 and, like, dealing with significant family changes like a lot of the conflict in the book is her dealing with her mom having a relationship with this new person and the shifting idea of family and like will she or will she not babysit Watson's kids um Watson is the name of her mother's boyfriend fiance spoilers yeah and the additional layer of why she struggles so much with Watson specifically is that the reason her father isn't in the picture is because he abandoned. He walked out on the family when she was, oh, I'm forgetting how old she was, six? Young. Um, definitely young, young. Yeah. yeah. They say that he comes back for like, like he, he'll, they'll see him like once a year or something. Mm-hmm. But she's definitely really messed up about it. I kind of wanted to talk about how we're introduced to the characters also. I think that it's really sweet. There's a really sweet relationship between Christy and Mary Ann, who are also seen as the babyish characters. I thought that was really funny how Stacy and Claudia are always like, Christy and Mary Ann are such babies. And I'm like, you're all babies. Oh, I have so many thoughts about that. I don't even know where to begin. I, oh, I feel like I'm going to get too deep too fast. No, go for it. <laughs> Dive in. We love it. I just, it is honestly infuriating to me to read the way that femininity and interest in boys is equated with maturity. And the fact that the more quote unquote grown up characters are Stacey and Claudia because they care about clothes and fashion and they're feminine and they're talking about boys now all the time. And the babyish ones are, like you said, Christy and Marianne, who don't really spend that much time thinking about their clothes. They're not interested in boys yet. Christy seems to actively hate boys, which <laughs> we'll get to that, but I I love Christy. Anyways, Christy is a lesbian is the thesis of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is gay. Everyone is gay. Um, but it just, it's really, it just upsets me a lot because I think it's a really harmful message to send and Babysitter's Club is for sure not the only series that did this. I think probably most if not all of the books I was reading growing up sent this message in some way that you know especially around middle school the girls who are more mature are the ones who start being actively feminine and caring about boys And it's a harmful message for all girls, but especially for, I think, lesbian girls. It really is a struggle, to put it lightly. Yeah, I mean, I I think that that's really important that you pointed that out. I, I wonder if we think that Babysitter's Club does any work to unpack that. I think you're completely right, and I think it does in some ways perpetuate that for sure, for sure. And I, I think now back to a lot of the things I read as a kid, and I'm like, oh, yeah, 
like there's just so much around your like attractiveness to boys and then also like the idea of like suddenly you're like interesting to them like Stacy's mm-hmm. like Christy's brother calls Stacy like a foxy chick and I'm like he's 14 and she's 12 like <laughs> you're right she says according to Sam Stacy was a foxy chick according to Stacy Sam was a gorgeous hunk and then when I heard that later I thought about what they looked like and tried to figure out what they saw in each other I have in italics absolutely no interest and in italics in boys, of course. Still, I realized that that kind of information might be useful someday. And I wrote that down and I wrote, Christy comes out as a lesbian. <laughs> like, it is it is actually canon. It's in book one, page 85. Christy has absolutely no interest in boys. Let the record show. Yeah, and I think you're right that that's kind of a really refreshing perspective. Um, and also it makes sense why she just is so frustrated with the world because she's like, why is everyone telling me that the things I'm interested in and the way that I want to exist is wrong, you know? Like, I, I know that frustration. Like, we've all felt that. Um, and by we, I mean the gays. <laughs> but, like, you know, yeah. when... And, and that's not to say there can't be, like, obviously straight people who are tomboys and are interested in men like absolutely um I think that but there is a huge reason why even from book one it's so easy to read queerness into these characters like so easy right yeah I mean even just the first 30 pages of the book I have multiple notes of Christy like for example the way that she describes missing Claudia because Claudia's interests have now diverged and they've diverged from hers. I think that's a really relatable feeling. I definitely felt that around middle school. I don't know if you did as well, but I think a lot of baby gays get that feeling of, oh, my friends are suddenly, like we're just becoming more different from each other in ways that we don't have the words to verbalize yet. And we don't recognize how we're becoming different from each other, but it's happening. And she, when we first get introduced to Claudia, I mean, one of the first things Christy says to her is, you don't need makeup, you're so beautiful. And I love that moment because it's obviously just a very sweet, supportive and endearing moment, but also because it is very relatable when you are a baby gay and seeing your friends try to be attractive to boys and you're just like, oh my God, why are you doing this? Like, you don't need to do this. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that's true. I I also would want to, like, complicate it a little bit, though, and say that, like, I think that, and, like, maybe, again, this is me reading Claudia through, like, rose-tinted glasses, but I I think that I see a lot of it as, like, self-artistic expression as opposed to, like, necessarily exclusively catering to guys, you know? That's very true, and I think that, I think Christy doesn't get that, so from Christy's lens, it's like, oh, now you're trying to act all grown up and wear makeup but yes we understand that claudia is a really artistic person and so it i I agree with you it's a lot of self-expression for her as well yeah and i think that's what's so cool is that like it is in its like very basic written for 12 year olds way like a expression of like complicated different ways of being woman like you have someone who's not interested in boys and like seems like we're very gay and you have someone like Claudia who's like 
I actually really like like looking pretty or like whatever that means, you know, pretty is complicated, but like looking and like wearing these colors and like wearing sheep in my hair and like you have someone like Stacy that's just trying to navigate and and we do get by the end of the book the reason why Stacy's holding a secret um mm-hmm. which spoilers um <laughs> is that she is diabetic and um feels like she has to hide that because of a it went badly when people knew at her old school um and then you get Marianne who's like grappling with i think Marianne is is babyish but it's also like grappling with kind of choice and autonomy which is really cool to like hear and like Christy's really proud of her for standing up to her dad which is like really nice um actually I I noted if we can talk about one of the themes but I noted that on page 151 literally we get the whole like moral of the book (laughs) which is like um mom was easily talked into a slumber party she liked the babysitters club after all she told me it brought you and Watson closer together I nodded the club has helped all of us. <laughs> it helped Stacy make some friends. I think it helped give Marianne the courage to stand up to her father. And it showed Claudia that she can be good at something besides art, even if it's not the genius kind of thing that Janine's good at. And I was just like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's it. it. You know what? <laughs> episode over. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for the first episode. Um, no, but, you're so right. But I was just like, this is why I love these books. And, like, obviously I know they're problematic in a lot of ways. Like, I was reading the description of, like, Mimi, like, shuffling in and out of the room. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but, like, I um, was also like, yeah, like, these kids do something for themselves. And they learn that they can stand up for themselves, that they're good at things, that, like, Stacy is both really good at math and really fashionable. And, like, that's so cute. Like, you know? Yeah. I don't know. No, they all, they all have very well-rounded personalities, which I think is one of the reasons that the books resonated so much with so many women. Um, and I also do find it really interesting that with Marianne, we do, like you said, she's struggling with choice and autonomy because she has a very strict father who's actually, we will expand on this more in the fourth book, called Marianne Saves the Day, but one of the reasons that Marianne seems babyish and childish, especially to like someone like Stacy who's meeting her for the first time and doesn't understand why she's wearing her hair in braids, and it's mentioned that Marianne's father makes her wear it in braids. So you have this really interesting dynamic of a young girl with a single father who I think is struggling with knowing how to raise a daughter without a mother figure. And she doesn't have a mother figure in her life to kind of help her navigate girlhood. And so it's interesting seeing how that affects the pace at which she is quote unquote maturing compared to the other girls. Yeah. And I mean, I think that we're led to believe that a lot of it is because of her father's fears around having already lost her mother. Yeah, I think that you're right. That they're like really well-rounded characters and that's really cool. I mean, obviously it still kind of maintains this childlike. When I first opened up the book, I was like, this font is so big. Uh, yes. <laughs> but at the same time, um, yeah. And also like they each have their own handwriting. Like they write in the journal and their handwriting, which I know we said we weren't going to talk about the TV show, but it's very cute that it's a Google document now. Um, <laughs> it my- is very cute. Although it also makes my heart hurt a little bit because I love the notebook so much, 
yeah because of that personal touch of the handwriting and i guess Maybe we'll see them change the font color in the Google Doc or the font itself with technology. But, but it's kind of like when I was little, um, little, when I was in like middle school also, I had a group of friends and then one of them moved away. So we had this notebook that we like mailed to each other to write in. Um, and finding it recently has been like a whole, it's like a hilarious thing to kind of read back on. Um, and I think it, I'm guessing it was probably inspired by the Babysitter's Club. And then in college, when we went away, we tried to have this like blog, which was just a fun like translation <laughs> growing up. But um, that's very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to be every book character I read. <laughs> I am just continuously shocked that they're 12. Like they're so young. They are absolutely so young. I also have a note where I write in all caps, like they are 12 years old. It's so funny to me the way that there's a particular phone call where Stacy says, I should tell you some things about the club. There's four of us and we're 12 years old. And I'm just like, can you imagine being an adult on the other side of that phone call? I would immediately hang up. <laughs> I would be like, wow, I've been had. <laughs> Yeah, at 12 years old, I felt like people still were like, Joy needs to be babysat. <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, they're just babies. They're just babies sitting on babies. Literally, they're so young. They're so young. Um, which is also a thing I like about the TV shows, that they look young. Um, yes. um, I do want to address, which we will get into more in the next one, which we can, so we can, if we want to just talk about this next time but i mentioned it briefly before but something that a friend um also named claudia pointed out on instagram when they were watching the intro series within i think all the tv show but i think also reflects in the books is that like i had forgotten like claudia's almond shaped eyes and like silky black hair and also that her parents are definitely like tiger parent stereotypes like asian immigrant um she has to get good grades, and so Janine is much more loved. Janine's Claudia's older sister um, because she gets good grades. And I was like, "Dang!" Like it was really empowering, but it was all—it's also like disappointing. <laughs> um, but that's okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's not okay. But like, it—it's—it's it's interesting to read back now. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely not only specific to this book. It comes up in the other books as well the constant references to Claudia's black hair and almond eyes, it just, it's a recurring thing. And the other character's hair color does also get mentioned sometimes, but for some reason it just doesn't stick out the same way. I think Stacy gets it because Stacy's blonde. Um, yeah. And uh, when we get introduced to Mallory, I feel like her like frizzy red hair is like a big deal. Speaking of Claudia, do you want me to go through Claudia's closet? Yes, please. So we decided that every episode, because Claudia's outfits are truly a character of their own, that we would go through and highlight them. I, I thought there was going to be more. Um, we have three big ones, but the first outfit from Claudia that we are introduced to is <laughs> short, very baggy lavender plaid overalls a white lacy blouse, a black fedora, and red high-top sneakers without socks, and her long black hair was carefully arranged in four braids. And Christy says that she feels extremely blah compared to her, and then we also get to note that she's wearing makeup, 
And she says, blue stuff on her eyelids, gold stuff above her eyes, and magenta stuff on her cheeks. So I want you to think again and picture in your mind <laughs> short lavender plaid overalls that are baggy with a white lacy blouse, a black fedora, and red high top sneakers, but specifically without socks. And four braids. And four braids. Where are the, where with are the braids? blue eyeshadow? Blue and gold. There's so much going on, and I love every little bit of it. What's the next outfit? Um, oh, in that we also get that she has silky black hair, dark eyes, and creamy skin without so much a trace of a pimple. And also, I quote, she's absolutely gorgeous. Christy! <laughs> Christy is so gay! Um, and then we just, the only other detailed outfit we get in this is a baggy yellow and black checked shirt, black pants, red jazz shoes, and a bracelet that looks like it was made from a telephone cord, and her earrings are dangly, jointed skeletons. Stacy's outfit also gets a mention in this as being very sophisticated. Um, she's wearing short pants with, like, zippers up the side and, like, a um, purple sweater with, like, a parrot on it. So we got our fashionistas. And the only other <laughs> part that we get, which I love, is that when they're arguing about whether or not Christy and Marianne are babyish, Christy says, well, you have sheep in your hair. And Claudia just scathingly goes, well, sheep are in. <laughs> and I've never loved anything more in my life than to know that sheep are in. Absolutely. Claudia's style is truly on another plane of existence, like ahead of her time in every way. Iconic. And I actually, that makes me think of one of the things that sticks out to me about Claudia's representation as a Japanese American girl in a good way, one of the positive aspects of it, is that it would have been really easy for her to be the only character of color and for her to be the character that feels more like an outsider or feels different from her friends and who has a lot of admiration for, for example, someone like Stacy, who all the characters are kind of starstruck by her. And I think it would have been really easy to have Claudia be the character who is also really starstruck by her white friends. And it's kind of cool that it's actually Christy and Marianne who really are impressed by Claudia, almost intimidated by her and who think that she's really cool. Like Claudia is always presented as just a very cool character and I'm grateful that that's the dynamic instead of her being the only character of color and the one who's kind of the outsider or out of step with the other girls. Yeah I, I also appreciate that. So that was Claudia's Closet and I am really excited to continue to go through all of her fits through the series and I think that um, I think there's some like good illustrations and stuff out there of like all of that description. So I'll try to find those and repost those. Um, Pretty sure the graphic novel specifically includes her jointed skeleton earrings, which I'm so grateful for because that's integral to the story. Yeah, yeah. I will try to post a pic. I have a few more thoughts about Christy because it is Christy's book. One of the things I love about Christy is that she lacks a lot of tact because she's just so honest and she's always trying to be, maybe not trying to be, she's always honest in a kind way. She's never honest to be mean. Like whenever she comments on one of her friend's choices, it's because she wants what's best for them. And I feel like that's at the core of her character. Like for example, there's this moment where she 
it's a rude comment because you shouldn't say this, but she comments on Stacy's eating habits and is like, are you on a diet? Why are you doing that? You don't need to be on a diet. Dieting can be dangerous even. Like my mom says it's not good for someone of our age to diet. And I think Claudia is like, Christy, you can't just say that. <laughs> Christy, you can't just ask someone why they're white. She just always has her friend's best interest in mind and she can be really rude about the way she goes about it but it's again just very endearing to me because she's just a very honest and loyal friend and yeah yeah also in that scene well I have two thoughts about that in the scene where um she apologizes for like basically calling Stacy out for lying and she's like honestly that was none of my business and so her ability to like do that um, and Claudia's like, you know what you did wrong. And <laughs> Christy's like, yeah, okay. Christy is always very quick to apologize. Or even if not quick, in the end, she always apologizes. And she always owns up to what she's done wrong, which, again, is just a really nice thing about her and makes her, even though she might be the character that you would not immediately want as a role model for <laughs> little girls, like, I think she is still a role model for little girls because... She messes up a lot and always apologizes for it. Yeah, I think that's kind of when you, you you remember that these books are written for kids, is that, like, you know, you can tell when characters are supposed to be good versus not good characters. Like, we'll get to more of that in the Stacy book. But also want to note that, again, Christy is a Leah. And oh, God. <laughs> the uh, description on babysittersclub.proboards.com Thank you, Virgo Scorpio. <laughs> um, says that Christy is a typical Leo, no doubt. She is a born leader and shines in the spotlight. She can be bossy and interfering, but true to Leo traits, she is also warm, loving, and faithful to her friends. So, like... That's it. That's thing. Christy. That's Christy. She's a Leo. Because Leo's... I, and I say this as someone that has um, a lot of Leo in my chart. And I also really love Leo sons. We're getting off track here. <laughs> But, like, it's just that generosity and, like, brightness, but also, yeah, there's, like, a little bit of ego. <laughs> but also, I mean, some of my best friends, I, some of my best friends, I have, I have friends that are Leos. <laughs> it just, it makes sense to me. Another Christy note, her full name is Kristen Amanda Thomas. Oh, she's a white and- girl. Oh, she's a white girl. And also, (laughs) classic lesbian with a shorter name move, though. Like, I fully believe that in high school, Christy would have started going by Chris. I'm just going to put that out there. If not in high school, then in college. For sure. There's some good, not inappropriate fan fiction about them when they're older. And, like, Claudia being, like, art student and Christy being gay, I think, usually. I think they're all a lot. There's a lot of really gay fanfic out there. It's because we knew. Because we knew. I feel like we should mention that Anna and Martin did come out a few years ago as being queer. Um, So I think that that has felt validating for a lot of us in thinking that that the the assumptions we made might be correct. Didn't she say that? she and Marianne, that Christy and Marianne were based on herself and her best friend. Yeah, which is like... Another Christy note that I love, I love the way she reacts to finding out Stacy has diabetes because she literally just says, is that all? 
Which is, again, such a no-filter reaction because clearly it was very difficult for Stacy to admit this and you shouldn't, she shouldn't have reacted that way. But it's hilariously relatable because I remember as a kid thinking the same thing. I never understood, and we understand more when we get to Stacy's book, The Truth About Stacy. But at first you're just like, since when is diabetes this big of a deal? You know, yeah, but it's also- you know, that comes from a place of I don't have personal experience with diabetes. So clearly I'm an outsider to this narrative. Yeah, I mean, I think that we learn over time how much it truly has completely shifted how her life functions. And so I think that that is, um, it's really cool to see written into the books, but I also, it's a coming out scene. Like, it's a, it's a coming out scene because, you know, like, it's not about sexuality, but like, how many times, like, how many times is there like a whole thing where like someone's like, I'm gay and people are like, yeah we know or like oh like that's like it doesn't change what I think about you and so I think that's why that scene is also so heartwarming is because like there are all these different ways of coming out and that's not to like minimize the coming out as being gay or queer but like it is very much a Stacy being vulnerable and this whole thing that like this like diabetes is life-shattering to her we find out like it really has completely Mm -hmm. upended her world but to these other people that care about her they're just like cool like we not cool but like that's sounds really hard but like we still love you and like we'll stop offering you candy and like we can order you salad I mean that's a little bit earlier but like you know it's really really sweet to see kind of this like innocence of response of just being like we still like you like of course we care because I know she asked like oh don't you all care and Christy's like yeah we care and so like we care about you and she's like no no but like it doesn't bother you and they're like no like it's better to know you're doing okay than like hurting yourself on a diet. And like, you're right. that like, that's definitely how Christy talks about her eating is like super unhelpful. And like also Christy's first thing is she's like, you have anorexia. And it's like, Oh God, Christy. But Stacey has to like be so vulnerable and then they accept her. And I just think it's a coming out. You're right. I'm going to read this one paragraph from this scene Mm-hmm. So I thought, this is Stacy speaking, so I thought maybe I should cover up what was wrong with me. Moving here seemed like a chance to start over, but not telling you guys was worse than telling my old friends. It got so complicated with the lies and everything. And that's very, yeah, that's a coming out scene. Especially because her, the way that she navigates this secret is 100% informed by people's reaction in her in her old town. So it just, if it hadn't, if she hadn't been treated, we'll get into this with the third book, but if she hadn't been treated the way she'd been treated, she wouldn't have even bothered to keep it a secret from her new friends. So it, it hurts. It's a relatable feeling. Yeah, I, um, and I'm not saying, because, like, also people having to come out as being chronically ill is, like, actually a really real thing, and, like, feeling the need to, I know, because my, um, best friend, has dealt with chronic illness and like people would say really shitty things and be like oh do you have like mono or this shit like that and it's like because they miss school and so it's like it's 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 a really really hard thing to navigate as a kid um and that's why it's really cool to see a depiction of chronic illness and her frustration with her parents trying to find a cure and all these things so now i'm really interested to see if people have written about stacy's 
a narrative from a lens of this is a representation of chronic illness and maybe not a representation of a disability, but it's, it is within. I think it would fall within disability. Sphere. Does it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that people, I think that it could fit within like a disability justice framework and like thinking about access because that's the really cool thing is that immediately her friends were like, how do we make this space accessible to you? Like, that's what that offer is. And, like, I think when people yeah. think about, like, making spaces accessible, this is, like, getting into a whole other thing. But I think that people think when they think about, like, access, they're like, oh, that's going to be so hard. It's going to be so much money. But, like, it's not the biggest thing. But one thing is, like, making sure your friends have food they can eat when they're visiting you. Like, that's that's a baseline. And, like, that's really cool that these, like, 12-year-olds are, like, cool, like, we can adapt. We will stop offering you candy and we will, like, have salad along with the pizzas because then you can participate in this space. Absolutely. And now that reminds me, we haven't mentioned that Claude, one of Claudia's things, like, quirks that were introduced to in this book is that she always has candy hidden all over her room. So it's very normal for her to be sharing this candy with all of her friends. And, after that moment, moving forward in the books, she always has a quote-unquote healthy snack for Stacy. She always has something like saltine crackers. And it's, it is noted where when we see Claudia distributing Twizzlers or Oreos, Stacy's snack is also pretty regularly and consistently mentioned. And so I love that it's also not a one-and-done one thing of like, oh, okay, the girls accept her diabetes and that's it it then becomes a normal part of their routine and you kind of never forget that, yeah, these girls are making the effort to make the space accessible for Stacy all the time. And that's so cool. Like what a heartwarming, oh, they're just so cute. I know. These I'm actually feeling really I emotional. <laughs> I know. Me We're too. Cry. <laughs> me too. Could you hear it in my voice? Because I'm like starting to feel like, Oh God, they're just so sweet. So I think one of the other things we're going to do is kind of rate the book. How many sheep barrettes out of 10 sheep barrettes do you give this book? I give this book 9 out of 10 sheep barrettes. I truly love it. And I think that it's themes of young girls adjusting to huge changes in their lives and taking charge and starting their own business and the nostalgia value, of course, because it is the first book. So it's always going to hold a very special place in my heart for introducing us to these characters. Um, but I think that it's a very well-written book. And the only reason that I give it nine instead of ten is just because it's not perfect, as we have mentioned, in terms of its portrayal of certain aspects of girlhood and Claudia's race and whatnot. Yeah, um, mm, I don't want to give the same score as you, so I'm going to say it's an 8.5. Um, so it's just like half of it. It's like the it's like the, the sheet part of the barrette, but not the clasp part. Um, Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I agree. I think that I have so much immense nostalgia and love for the book, but also, like, I'm going to be real, Christy is so annoying. <laughs> and like I, I feel like a bully to this 12 year old girl but like it's the same way I feel sometimes about reading like the Anna Green Gables books or something like that where I'm like oh it's so cringy I like love you but it's so cringy you know I never read the Anna Green Gables book but I'm familiar with that feeling yes yes um and then beyond that I want to ask you um what is your what is well we can start with Christie's tally 
So what is Christie's tally, Danny? So I went through this book and I jotted down the amount of times that Christie shits on boys and the amount of times that Christie compliments one of her friends, like calls a girl pretty or gorgeous, etc. And there are 12 times that she shits on boys. And I think around nine times that she speaks very positively about her friends. So we have a total of 21 times that Christy is just a giant lesbian. So on a scale to not gay to very gay, where do you rate this book? Ooh, um, four out of five. Four out of five gay? Pretty, pretty gay. But not the gayest of the first six. I'll say that. Not the gayest. Mm. I actually haven't read all the first six yet. I know. I know you have. Um, I'm working my way through them. Um, yeah, I would, I would concur. It's like very, it's very, very gay, but you know, could be more gay. <laughs> could always be more gay. I also want to note that she says, we played a fast game of tetherball while we waited. I won. I usually do. I'm good at sports. We haven't even gotten into her softball playing yet. Yeah, Christy's a softball lesbian. Ooh, I forgot to mention earlier um, that Claudia wears an outrageous red felt hat at some point. An outrageous red felt hat. I love that. So we also want to end the episodes with um, recommendations because I think that these books are really wonderful, but um, you and I also really like to read other YA books and watch things, and we talk about TV shows and movies all the time. Um, So we are going to do a little recommendation at the end. I will recommend the YA series Beacon Street Girls because it has a very similar dynamic to Babysitter's Club, where it centers on a group of four friends and you have a sporty one, a shy, quiet one with a single dad, a stylish fashionista who is not from the big city but loves the big city, and a very family-centered one. And it's also diverse, actually, because the sporty one is an adopted Korean girl with a white family, and the one who has a very family-centered narrative is Black and struggles a lot with being stereotyped as athletic like her older sisters who are very athletic and everyone seems to have the same expectations that oh you're her sister you must also be really into basketball um but she's not she's very artistic and so it's actually similar to claudia in that i don't know how intentional this might have been on anna martin's part but you know if an asian stereotype is that oh all asians are good at math are good at school Claudia very directly refutes that stereotype because she doesn't get good grades in school, she hates math, she's very artistic, and she hates the expectations that are put on her by other people. So it's a it's a fun series. And if you like the Babysitters Club, you would also like the Beacon Street Girls. Yay! Who's the author? Author is Annie Bryant. Cool. Um, I haven't actually read that, so I will have to see if my local library has it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to recommend um, Not Your Sidekick by C.B. Lee. It is a series, but the first book is called Not Your Sidekick, and that's also the name of the series, I think. And the short tagline I would give is a queer youth of color superheroes. 
and it's a similar kind of different kids come together to solve a problem but in this case there are superhero powers and also they're mostly um youth of color and it's very 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 cute and definitely would recommend also written by a i think cb lee is a bisexual person of color actually i know they are and i also know that cb lee likes claudia kishi because she is in the documentary about her so would recommend very very cute and i think that's our episode Again, you can find us on the internet. Um, our Instagram is Great Idea Podcast. Our Twitter is Great Idea underscore Pod. You can find us on Facebook at Great Idea colon A Babysitters Club Podcast, and you can email us at podcast.greatidea at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Um, love to chat, and that's it. That's the app. I love you, Danny. Thank <laughs> Stay gay, ladies.